Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode. This week we're talking about emotional clutter. So in the context today, what we're going to be talking about emotional clutter is the thoughts, ideas, feelings and personally justified patterns of behaviour that don't serve you. So things that aren't actually having a positive impact on your life. So what emotional clutter is not, it's not trauma or things that arise from trauma, ideas and behaviour patterns and thoughts that arise from, you know, a traumatic situation. It's not PTSD. It's not anxiety. And we really want to stress, I guess this is a bit of a caveat at the beginning of this episode, we're talking um, more generally, and if you've got um, some serious anxiety issues or patterns of behaviour that result from trauma or self-talk that's that's negative that you think is more serious, then these things need to be addressed by a professional. And and we're just talking generally about you know some of the more less mental illness like things yeah yeah so if you've got a mental illness and OCD is another thing you know OCD there's lots of thoughts involved in OCD and so we're not talking about those we're talking about a neurotypical brain uh, basically uh, and the emotional clutter that can come with those those brains perfectly put perfectly put so I always think you know the kind of the process is that we have a thought that thought will give us a feeling and from that feeling then usually we you know there's an action that results or a behavior that results and quite often a lot of the emotional clutter in our head although feelings you know can be clutter as well a lot of it all stems from the thought because the thought is kind of the the beginning of the of the line if you like um so we might go through a few things that emotional clutter look like and and a lot of these, you know, just stem back to thoughts, um, you know, the original thinking that then, you know, sets a whole process along. So um, what do you think, Beck? What are some uh, thoughts? There are some really common scripts that people replay in their heads over and over again that will cause them to then have emotions and behaviours that um that, that don't serve them and that, that make them sort of feel unhappy. And those are the things like um, I'm a bad parent, I'm shy, I'm no good at making new friends, I'm unattractive, nobody cares about me, um, I can't do whatever, I can't lose weight, I can't quit my job, I can't be in a relationship, I can't manage myself, I can't deal with my clutter, those kinds of scripts that that get replayed over and over again and have an ongoing domino effect into behaviour and emotion. And so often those scripts, those things that we say to ourselves, aren't factual and mm. quite often we don't look to see if they're factual. We almost take them as um, as factual or as gospel and we say them so often to ourselves and hear them so often that we start to believe they're factual. But something like I'm a bad parent, mm. that's, you know, where's the the evidence? Where's the proof? You know, maybe you've had a bad day. That doesn't make you a bad parent. But we say to mm. ourselves so often, I'm a bad parent, I'm a bad parent, that we start to believe it 
and we take it as fact when quite often when we look a bit closer or tease it apart you know it's it's not factual and so sometimes we need to you know uh, dig a bit deeper and another you know way that we might recognize emotional clutter in ourselves is the negative self-talk and often again this doesn't happen consciously so much but you will hear Mm. you'll hear it in the in the back of your mind I'm not worth it I don't deserve this you know so and so is better than me so and so is prettier than me um Mm. you know those kind of things that that just race through our minds at various times that can be really um and they're not we might not even notice that we we might not even consciously say them in our minds but they kind of form a lens at which we look through, look at things through. Mm-hmm. And so rather, so even though we might not consciously be saying in our minds, I'm not worth it, our behaviour might actually indicate that we are saying that to ourselves. So, you know, I'm not mer- worth it would be that, you know, <clears throat> you know, if you haven't, if you don't want to ask for something, you know, you don't want to ask some, a favour from somebody. And that that I'm not worth it might be the lens that you are looking through when you are making that decision about whether you ask someone for help or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. going on from that, quite often the feelings that we feel come from those thoughts. So we can identify the feelings usually a lot more readily than we can identify the thoughts and it can mm. kind of take a, a bit of training to step back. So the feelings... Um, that might be associated with this emotional clutter might be things like feeling unloved or feeling alone, um, feelings of guilt or shame or fear or like you're a failure, feeling overwhelmed. You know, they're all things that we might feel at different times. And then it's, you know, it's quite key to sit down and go, okay, so I'm, I'm feeling like a failure. Where is that? Where does that come from? What have I, what have I been saying? What have I been thinking um, that is feeding into this feeling? And then, you know, mm. beyond that, you know, then maybe we start recognising some of our actions that are coming from feelings that are coming from thoughts. So social isolation, withdrawal, um, you know, identifying. anger. Yeah. 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 Or, or, you know, even something that seems as innocuous as being inauthentic to fit in with groups of people, oh, um, yeah. you know, trying to be validated or please other people, even though it, you know, might not be part of your core values or, or you don't feel like you're being authentic. Those kind of mm. things, a lot of that stems from emotional clutter. Mm. Another way that you can um, kind of identify that that behaviour or the actions might be things that you're doing which can be quite overt like sabotaging relationships when you start to notice patterns of behaviour and you think, you know, why does this always happen to me? And you think, you know, this has happened over and over and over. Um, Why do I do that? Maybe I do that because I feel a certain way. Why do I feel that way? Because, you know, I have a script going around in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, aligned with that too is doing things in a particular way because you've always done them and being really closed off to possibilities um, and new ideas, uh, you know, and kind of sticking firm to the way that you've always done things because, you know, there's comfort in that. But also maybe if you dig deeper, it's because there's a script around maybe your limitations or things like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
And I think another one which is slightly different to all these things because it's taking us a bit outside ourselves, but sometimes emotional clutter can come in the form of thoughts about others. There is a lot of our a lot of our unhelpful behaviours can stem from the expectations that we have of others and those expectations not being met. So that's another sort of area where you might see that this is where anger comes from. When anger is directed at a person, it's often just simply because they have uh, done something you have not expected or have not wanted and uh, that then it's not necessarily much to do with you uh, but it's to do with your behaviour around the thoughts that you have about what how others should be. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute too. So the good news is that we can actually change some of this self-talk um, which leads to the feelings, which leads to the actions, um, that you're not you're not stuck. It might feel like you've been in the rut for a while and it might feel like those same scripts have been going through your head you know, as long as you can remember. But what science tells us is that we have the ability to change our brains, to rewire our thinking, which is really good news. And like we said, people that have that are suffering with with mental illness or you know um, deep trauma and things like that quite often need external help to move past that and to go through this same process. But the good news is you can actually start doing it for yourself at home. So they they the scientists, um, <laughs> the wise ones, talk about our brains. Um, ability to change continuously. So you might have heard the term plasticity or neuroplasticity, and it's it's all about the brain's ability to <coughs> continuously change throughout its life. It engages in synaptic pruning, so which is really about deleting the old connections, the old neural pathways that aren't necessary or useful anymore, and creating new ones and strengthening the new necessary ones. So. In layman's terms, that means that we can change our thoughts regardless of how ingrained they are and start to rid ourselves of this emotional clutter of all these negative scripts that aren't serving us anymore. I use, I've used the analogy with my kids because uh, I've talked to my kids about brain plasticity and, and because sometimes children will say, I can't, I just can't. You know, I'm bad at math, I just can't. And I've often talked about this and I do use this analogy with clients as well. It's that I imagine when I'm imagining brain plasticity, I imagine like a field with little paths that have been worn by people walking through the field in different directions in different ways. And that field doesn't have any grass on those little paths. So the paths have been worn down to the dirt. And those are the things, the paths that have been well-worn, those are the thoughts that have been well-established and have been going on for a really long time. And neuroplasticity is all about going off that path and creating another worn track So the gra- and the grass growing back over the old one that's no longer taken. So if you think of it like that, those, you know, people visualising it, um, that can actually be quite helpful in understanding how our brain does this. Mm. That's, Did that that's make sense? That's a powerful image, really. Yeah, I use it all the time in my own head, <laughs> trying to tell myself, make a new path, Rebecca. Let the grass yep. grow over that old one, make a new mm-hmm. path. Yeah, that's perfect. So the way we start doing this, because it's it's quite easy to say it can be done, but to actually do mm-hmm. it, uh, take some time and patience. 
So I guess the starting point of that is questioning your thoughts. If you are engaging in a behaviour or regularly feel a feeling that you don't think is serving you any longer, try and trace it back to the thoughts that precede that and question them. Where has this thought come from? Is it something that I was told regularly or is it something that I created on my own? Um, is it factual? Is it, is it a fact or is it something that I have assumed? And might there be a different way of looking at it or tackling it? Is the thought serving me or hindering me? And, and really recognise when you have that thought and how often it reoccurs. And so just kind of going to that level where you're actually thinking about your thoughts, where you're paying attention to that inner dialogue is such an important starting point. And I touched on this a bit the other week when we had an, that interview with Elizabeth Benton and how she kind of rewired herself and transformed her life. And a lot of it was about questioning the things she'd always done and the mm. thoughts she'd always had about her behaviour and about the type of person she was. So you just got to kind of pull it right back to that initial point. Hmm. And so once you've identified them, you can start to turn them around a bit. And when you do have, when you catch yourself thinking, having that behavior or that feeling, and then going back and thinking, okay, what's the thought that, that preceded this? And can I change that thought around? And um, can I change it from, I'm a bad parent to, I'm doing the best that I can? And, or I, I can never do anything to I've actually achieved quite a lot this week. Uh, I'm just focusing on the negative um, and those kinds of things. So turning them around uh, and just re starting to re rewire the brain, make those new pathways. The more that you go back and you turn that thought around, the more your brain is automatically going to go to that, th that thought in the first place because you will be starting to get that track worn in your brain um, and then the grass will grow over the old one and you will start to actually automatically go to the thought of I'm doing the best I can. And when you have that thought of I'm doing the best I can, the resultant emotions and behaviours are going to change. Yeah, and it's really important that you don't try and fool yourself and you don't flip the script <laughs> so dramatically. So yeah. if you, you know, haven't exercised for years, you know, don't, you know, don't start, you know, and you, your script might have been that I'm, ter I'm a terrible exerciser, I can't exercise, I can't do it, I'm unfit, I'm unwell. Don't flip it and say I'm a marathon runner. I am <laughs> the world's strongest woman. You know, like because your brain is clever enough to not believe that it it will recognize that you're lying to yourself. But maybe your script turns from "I can't exercise. I can't do this." To um, "I move my body in small ways every day." You know, like it's it's mm. just it's something that's believable. It's this tiny pivot, this tiny shift that is more factual because. If you get out of bed, if you walk to the kitchen, if you walk to the letterbox, you are actually moving your body every day. So stop telling yourself you can't do anything and mm. start shifting it. And then gradually when you get used to that, that thought, that script of I do move my body in small ways every day, then you can start saying I have the ability to move my body more. If mm. I wanted to, I could extend this and try something more because I sh have shown 
that I can do small things. I can make small changes. Mm. And over time, you kind of, if you imagine it um, like a, I don't know, a list of one to a hundred and one's the most positive thought and a hundred's the most negative. If you're down at a hundred, don't jump to thought number 15 on the list. You've got to work mm. your way up the scale, you know, gradually bit by bit pivoting those thoughts. Um, and eventually those thoughts will lead to better feelings, which will lead to better actions, which will lead to better thoughts. And it kind of goes around mm. in a cycle like that. But, yeah, don't be tempted to flip it 180 and try and fool yourself because that won't work. No, you'll just, yeah, you won't believe yourself. Mm. Or you'll overwhelm yourself, one of the two. That's it. So you can also try getting really clear on your values and making sure you're living in alignment with them because quite often the thoughts and the scripts might deviate from from what we really think is important um, and, and how we show up and how that manifests in our life. So maybe take pen to paper or, you know, record a it on your phone. What's important to you? What What are your life values? Get really clear on them and then ask yourself if the thoughts you're telling yourself when they show up, if they're in alignment with that or if they contradict that and why that might be the case. Mm. Our thoughts and our value system for ourselves are much harsher. We are a much harsher judge and much harsher critic on our own selves than we are, would ever be on anyone else. So sometimes getting clarity around those those values can yeah. help you try and shift those scripts, yeah. Yeah, apply what you value out there to yourself um, as well. And kind of hand in hand with that is steer clear of people that give oxygen to your emotional clutter. If you find that um, we'll stick with the script of, you know, I'm not attractive, if you find that that comes up regularly, around someone who their value system is based around, you know, attractiveness and maybe artificial attractiveness, doing whatever they need to do to get themselves to that point and to dress a certain way and to own certain stuff and have levels of power, all of that kind of stuff. If you find that you're pretty good most of the time but you get around this person or these group of people and that really fuels your fire of I'm not good enough, I'm not attractive mm. enough, I need to do more, I'm, you know, I'm not worthy, then start to recognise that and, you know, avoid it if you can. Mm. Put less time and energy into these people until you've got the script in your head you know, well-worn, well-set, that you can be around these people and it doesn't affect you, it doesn't kind of trigger those those thoughts and those feelings. Those emotions. Mm. Mm. It's, I mean, if you want more on that specifically, we did talk about toxic relationships mm. way back in the day, about episode yeah, number about oh, a year like ago. eight or something like that. And about people that you can be drawn to that really aggrav- aggravate these negative thoughts in your head. But you have to, you know, you have to start being conscious of it and seeing the patterns. And if mm. you walk away from people and regularly start hearing these thoughts, start feeling a certain way, you know, then maybe there's a there's a bit of a red flag there. Something there, yeah. That sort of relates a little bit to another point uh, about letting go. And we've obviously we talk about letting go a lot on this podcast, <laughs> and so people will be a bit tired of that. But Part of dealing with emotional clutter is actually 
allowing or giving yourself permission to remove things entirely and to put a stop, a full stop on things. So if you've had an event that's taken place or a relationship uh, or something like that that has is keeps coming up and triggering you, give yourself permission to put a full stop on that and say that's done. That sentence is over. It's not a comma. It's a full stop. There's no continuing on of that. And, and give yourself permission to, to let go of whatever it was that happened and, and not allow it to take up that space in your head anymore. Moving on from that, there's something that's really important around making time for yourself and caring for yourself. Quite often, you know, this the thoughts that don't serve us are ones that are negative and it is so much easier to have good internal dialogue and internal scripts when you are actively engaging in self-love and self-care. It's really, it's really hard to be negative about yourself when you're looking after yourself. Um, if mm. you have adequate rest, if you have, you know, a nutritious diet, good habits, regular exercise, you know, all those kind of things, but also just regularly engaging in something that brings you joy. It might be bushwalking. It might be painting watercolours. It might be dancing in your kitchen to loud music. When you are regularly engaging in something that lights you up, it kind of has this ability to drown out some of the negative self-talk because you're kind of tapping into this, this goodness in you and it's a lot harder to be negative um, and have thoughts that don't serve you when you are full of joy. So, you know, take the time to recognize what lights you up, what brings you joy, and make sure you have that in your life. And then if if there's things that you find that your negative talk is a lot louder and your feelings are a lot stronger when you haven't slept well, when your diet's really bad or you've been binge drinking or whatever it is, if you can start to become aware and notice the patterns around that. Like I really, I have terrible self-talk the week after I've had a really big night out on the weekend. Okay. You know, start to bring your attention to that and see how you can modify the behavior to in turn, you know, start modifying your thoughts. Like we said, it's kind of that cycle, but you've got to tap into it somewhere and start changing something if you want real change. And also demand support from loved ones because I, I'm a bit, got a bit of a problem with the whole self-care thing. I think that women especially uh, care for everybody else and leave their leave leave them on the bottom of the list and there's no room for this self-care. And I, I can imagine a lot of people listening going, oh, yeah, like I, I haven't got time to do that. I haven't got time to do that. Uh, demand it. You know, it's self-care is actually a bit of a fallacy and we should have our culture and our community care, not our culture, we should have our community caring for us. So demand it. Demand that support so that you're able to do that as best mm. you can. Practising gratitude is another way to sort of maybe push out some of those negative thoughts and emotions and um, there is less space in your head if you're practicing gratitude and the more that you practice gratitude we've talked about um, practicing gratitude before uh, the better your brain gets at actually automatically defaulting to uh, a, a feeling of, of gratitude uh, so practice makes makes I was going to say perfect <laughs> we don't want perfect practice makes better <laughs> mm. when it comes to gratitude yeah definitely. it's that whole idea of practicing gratitude is like take I feel like Using your analogy, it's like taking a mower to get a good head start on the path. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah, rather than yeah, waiting yeah. for the long grass to get down, you take a mower to it yeah. so you've already kind of cultivated the beginnings and now yeah, you just need one. to wear it in. Like that whole idea of not just 
you know, noticing something, go, oh, yeah, it's a nice day, like actually feeling deep gratitude, write it down, tell someone, say how amazing is this weather? It is absolutely beautiful. I'm so happy that I, Mm. you know, have the ability to be outdoors and enjoying it, you know, like make it an active process rather than a passing thought. Yeah, which leads to, you know, the point of being present as well. So, you know, if you're present and you're not dwelling in the past or worrying about the future, you are more able to notice these things and then you are more able to be grateful for them too. So being present is also another important factor. One point that you have brought up, Beck, which I think is really, really key, is about focusing on yourself. So not getting caught up in changing other people, uh, Changing others is work for others to do, not for you. You have to bring yourself to controlling what you can do in the situation, control how you react, control how you think about someone else's behaviour and then in turn how you feel about someone else's behaviour when you're Mm. exposed to them and stop coming from it at a point of wanting to control, control things that are out of your control. And you've you've got a really good uh, story about this Beck. I'm going to let you oh, go. Oh yeah. One of my favorite things. I was actually having to chat a chat to um I've had a chat to a few people about this and, and I remember talking to Brandy from the Adult Conversation podcast. I don't think we did it on air, but we were talking about road rage and I was saying how I've been trying to reduce my road rage because I've had a learner driver sitting in the car next to me. Uh, well, I've had children sitting in the car next to me for 17 years, but now the learner driver is starting to uh, yell at the cars like I do. And so I've decided to change my behaviour <laughs> so that I don't end up, you know, having a she's already starting to yell at the cars she drives around now yelling at all the cars and I tell her to stop yelling and she says but you do so anyway I was chatting to to Brandy about this and I told Brandy the story about the this this is a zen story a buddhist story about uh, a man in a boat on a river and sometimes the story is told at dusk or in the dark and sometimes it's told when it's foggy but he's sitting in his boat and he's having a lovely time and then suddenly another boat heads straight for him. Um, It's coming faster and it's faster and it's faster. He's like, stop, 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 stop. And he's trying to prevent them from crashing into him but the boat just rams and crashes into him anyway. Uh, The man is furious. He's shaking his fists. He's shouting. He's getting really angry until he sees that the boat is actually empty. And that changes everything. So there's a... There's a book called Start Where You Are by um, Pima um, Chodron and the quote that she says is, you know, this is the classic story of our whole life situation. There are a lot of empty boats out there that we're always screaming and shaking our fists at. And uh, another another analysis of this is by Charlotte Joko Beck um, and she had another really interesting thing to say about it. So I'm going to read out her quote. Now our encounters with life, with other people, with events are like being bumped by an empty rowboat, but we don't experience life that way. We experience it as though there are people in that other rowboat and we're really getting clobbered by them. What am I talking about when I say that all of life is an encounter, a collision with an empty rowboat? We think the other person should be different. They should be the way I think they should be. And most of us dealing with young children can see that whatever they do, even if they come up and give you a kick in the shins, that's an empty rowboat. You just deal with it. So that's an, an interesting perspective from from both of those writers about this whole empty boat thing. And the way I see it is that a lot of the time the things that we're getting mad about 
is just an empty boat. And what we're doing is we're assigning blame and we are projecting our expectations on people and getting angry about situations that are just an empty boat. And so that's another way to sort of let go of some emotional clutter as well is to just let go of this idea that there is someone to blame for what has happened. Mm -hmm. That's really good. I think that's quite a powerful kind of metaphor uh, for the the clutter, for the scripts, all that kind of stuff. Mm, That's very good. Okay, so we want to give you something to take away. We've talked kind of around the issue and through a few things. Um, Let's summarise, Bex, so that people can... Yep. Turn this podcast off and, yeah, have some takeaways that they can go away and start really applying. Okay, so a few of the major points we've talked about. Um, you can um, you can remove emotional clutter from your life. You can question your thoughts and behaviours that are not serving you and you can replace them over time with ones that do. You can surround yourself with people that support the new thoughts and behaviours. You can put a full stop on things that have happened. You can control, you can focus on controlling what you can control and you can watch on your, watch your expectations of others and how they affect your emotions as well. So as always, the conversation won't stop here. We will have a chat about this and many more things in our Facebook community. So we'd love you to come over and join us there and tell us if this is something that you can relate to or if there's a new script in your head that you're trying to rewrite. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love you to support you through the change. And we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so that they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.